Hi, and welcome to Practical Reliability. I'm your host, founder and CEO of Reliability X, George Williams. And with me today, wow, today's a pretty special day, actually. Um, so there's this new, I won't want to say new, it's not really that new, this this name face podcast that you're seeing all over social media that's taking leadership by storm, none other than the Fire Forge leader himself, Mr. Steve Baumgartner. Steve, how are you today? I am fantastic, man, and I appreciate you having me on to the uh, podcast today, George. Oh, man, this is exciting for me. Uh, you know, I, I've, I've, I've done a, a little bit of listening. I haven't caught all the episodes quite yet. Uh, I'm still doing a little bit of catch up. I know like the last two were like the lollipop uh, one and and the, the the finance guy. So I haven't caught up quite to those two yet, but uh, they're on my radar as they should be on everybody's radar. Give me a little bit of background on Fireforge Leader. Yeah, so I'm going to take you way back in history here a little bit. Uh, my origin story is probably a little bit different than most Uh I actually was born into uh, a family that I was adopted out of, thank God. But, uh, you know, cocaine addicts, VP of a motorcycle club, uh, just a really rough situation. A lot of abuse, a lot of, you know, just just things that you shouldn't have in a family, right? As I was growing up, uh, I had a lot of rough times, you know, all those feelings of abandonment and, you know, all that kind of stuff that you hear about kids going through. Um, I was, I was a recluse as a, as a child, you know, I would sit in the corner, I'd read books. I wouldn't talk to a lot of people. Uh, I had a few friendships here and there, but really I was, I was on my own, uh, lone wolf out there. I didn't have a lot of confidence, didn't have a lot of self-esteem. You know, just uh, I let the world act upon me rather than me acting upon the world. So as time went on, I myself got into drugs really heavy. Uh, I started, you know, using, selling, manufacturing, you know, methamphetamines. Uh, I was I did a lot of jail time, right? Just in and out of weekends and you know week here and there what have you finally i came to come to jesus moment in my life where uh i was looking at 36 years in a penitentiary for anything from burglary to intent to deliver you know possession all that stuff and <clears throat> i could go really deep into this story but i'm going to try and keep it short for you here uh I got out, released on my own recognizance from jail at that point in time, and I remember uh, just wandering. And I've been a couple, you know, at, at that point a couple times in my life where I was just wandering. So I ended up on my dad's porch, and you know, everybody points this prodigal son point in the Bible, right? I had that unfold in front of me, um, with my dad, uh, you know, being on the porch, he had had nothing to do with me for years before that. Right. Because of my drug abuse and, you know, the way that I treated my own kids, you know, I was repeating that cycle and I just had this whole prodigal son moment and it sparked something in me at that point in time that 
I needed to be better, right? I needed to do better. I needed to be a better leader inside my home. So I started doing those things. I started getting my uh, life in check. And then my wife uh, and I got divorced. She took the kids. You know, I had to fight for custody to get them back. Uh, I ended up meeting another woman that uh, I ended up marrying. And over 20 years later, we're still together. So that's awesome. Uh, So I go on and, you know, I'm kind of building up, but I'm still letting the world act upon me. And then you know, I got to the point where I was like 320 pounds. I was just this big bloat of a human, you know, diving into the comforts of the world, which wasn't very comfortable, to be honest with you. And then I met this man in the reliability field. His name is John Ross. And he actually was my boss for a little bit. And he just opened my mind to something new, right? So I started growing in maintenance and reliability. At that point, I was going to get the hell out because this was a sucky field, right? Um, and so I I started growing because someone believed in me. You know, I got that mentorship. I just started growing overall. Um, that got me started. The next point in time in my life is I met the famous Jocko Willink. Uh, and got to work with him a little bit. And that was absolutely phenomenal. Started searching for some different things. Um, opening my mind to different types of leadership. Started doing a lot of reading. Started doing a lot of playing around in my job, right? To figure out what the right methodology was. Um, reaching out to people, getting some, you know, five-minute phone call mentorship. You know, hey, this just happened. It didn't feel right, you know. Well, what if you would have tried this? That sort of thing. Um, so the the term fireforged leader really came from that, right? Everything in my life has come from heat, pressure, being molded, and then coming out with a product, which is what you see in front of you today. Uh, that's an awesome story, and and one that um that folks can probably appreciate more than you might know. Um, you know, listeners come from all different backgrounds and, and those things shouldn't be judged. It's what you're doing with that. You know, it's not where you, it's not where you start. <laughs> it's where you go yeah. <laughs> that matters. And, uh, I, you know, I remember, I, I remember a, a gentleman in Ireland saying to me, George, why do you work so hard? And, and my response to this was actually because I don't ever want to be back where I started. So, so, um, <laughs> right. so I can appreciate what you're saying, not not nearly to the degree you just described, but um, but everybody has their own background that they're running from, uh, or at least that they use as a motivating factor. And oftentimes, what I find is that folks that have, um, we'll just say, a more colorful background, <laughs> tend to be better leaders because they can relate at a different level than other people can. Have you found that to be true? Oh, I would wholly agree with that, right? Um, I'm more of a people person, right, than a lot of people who, you know, have come up through the ranks in the military, gone into the civilian life, different things like that. I've also found... um, 
that telling that story, right, it allows me to connect just at a deeper level. You know, I used to hold it and, right, you know, not let anybody see it. Now I tell everybody, you know, it's, it gives a, I mean, if nothing else, it just starts a personal conversation and then they want to let loose with something. I, I know you remember back in the nineties, we weren't supposed to get personal with employees, right? Yeah, no, no doubt. <laughs> well, how the hell you ever lead people without getting personal with them? Yeah. I, um, I, well, I think it's interesting because you, you openly discuss, um, a flaw, a flaw in your up, not in you personally, in, in your background and your upbringing in a lack of mentorship as you, as you grew up. Um, which some people would say, you know, you can't do that because you have to be seen as a leader. But I think in today's society, the compassion a person brings to leadership matters. And, and it demonstrates a compassion for yourself, a self-love, right? Because you can acknowledge where you came from. And for me, that's a, an admirable um, uh, trait, not, not one to be looked down upon. Oh, agreed. I, uh, I wouldn't give up any of the experience for the world, except for the people that I heard along the way yeah. is generally what I tell people. Now, what's interesting also though, is when you walk into a room, people are not going, this guy's got the soft skills, right? Like, like you, you don't project <laughs> yourself as the soft skill people person, but they have to kind of peel the onion a little bit <clears throat> to, to get to that point. Right. Uh, you know, n- not that you're hiding it, but, your initial, you know, the book cover looks like uh, it looks like a Rambo movie. It doesn't look like uh, I'm the people person. Yeah, I I have a presence, as you know. You know, I'm six <laughs> three, two hundred and forty pounds, wear a size twelve boot, have tattoos all up and down my arms, right? But, um, but that doesn't define you, right? Like, but people's right. perception sometimes exceed those things. So, how do you deal with that with that aspect of it? Yeah, so I found I just, I have this uncanny way of using my humor just to start talking to people, right? I mean, I, going back a couple of years, I remember, uh, you know, just this big muscle bound guy and he's getting on the, getting on the plane, you know, and I'm hoping, oh, geez, I hope that guy don't sit by me. Cause you know, at this point in time, I'm just huge, right? And he's just walking by and I feel relieved. And all of a sudden I just felt this need to go, Hey, you should probably get some ointment, man. And he turns. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that bee sting, you're all swelled up, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, he chuckled and, uh, he ended up sitting, you know, just kind of diagonally behind me. And we had a great conversation the rest of the plane. That's awesome. plane trip. So. Yeah. It, it, you know, and humor often breaks ice. That's why they're called icebreakers, right? But um, so yep. that's that's an interesting thing. Talk to me about so so John. I, ju- I just saw he had uh, he celebrated ten years as a CMRP this week. Uh, I just saw his LinkedIn post that said that. So that's cool. Um, talk to me about that. Uh, how important? Boy, it sounds like a silly question, right? After you described the background, how important was that mentorship in getting you on the right path? Uh, and I want to make sure I say it. The, the way we're going to talk about it, how important was it to have consistency for a sustainable future? Does that make sense? Because, I mean, you could have yeah, had so somebody I'm... give you great advice and then you're right back to where you were. 
how, how did you use that mentorship to create a sustainable future? Yeah, so let me break that up into the two different questions. The first one, how important it was for me. I'll tell you that, and he was on my podcast and he brought this up and it just came rushing back over me. But I remember the day that he looked at me and said, Steve, I believe you are capable of all this that I'm asking you to do. And you're going to have to prove me wrong. He was really the first person in my life that, you know, had that kind of confidence in me. Right. Right. I mean, I felt like a failure up till that point. So John and I didn't work together for a real long period, but, uh, the great thing about John is that he's always been there, right? He consulted for Marshall Institute for a little while. Well, not for a little while, for a great long while. Uh, I took some courses there, different things. We'd run into each other. I get a Christmas card from him every, every Christmas, usually comes in October because he's traveling or something, but, uh, you know, he's just constantly been there like a surrogate father my whole life, you know, and, and taking that mentorship outside of the job, you know, he's helped me when I've gotten in issues with my family, right? I got a teenage boy who's causing trouble and I need someone to talk to. I know John will pick up the phone every time. That matters that like it, it matters. And if, if you had somebody that um, blew you off in that same position and same point in time, who knows, who knows what the future holds, right? You have to, and I know that it, let's set, let's set those years aside today. You're a self-motivated driven individual, right? But there's a tipping point to get there. And if there's not a consistent push behind that, I, who knows if any of us ever get there, right? Like until we yep. become self-motivated and, and our own driving force, it takes a village to raise, to, to raise, to raise somebody. Right. So, um, it, those things are, how do you, so now, now where you're at, it's, so it's continued self-learning, it's giving back to the community, it's developing a community. There's a whole different animal going on here. Um, talk to me about uh, Fireforge Leader and uh, the motivating factors behind what you're doing today. Yeah, so as I, I guess I came to my awakening with leadership, right? Uh, we've talked about leadership in the past, so I know that you had had some rough points in your uh, leadership style. I remember being in a plant one time. And one of my mechanics was bringing up an idea and he was kind of getting furious because nobody was listening to him. And I went toe to toe with that mechanic, right? That's the kind of leader that I was. Uh, so I had this awakening in leadership. And, uh, you know, when I was able to pick my head up and look above the clouds, right, at this hole of leadership, I realized there's not a lot of it out there. There's a lot of people who like to call themselves leaders that really, they obviously haven't read the dictionary, right? There's a lot of managers out there. There's a lot of people who, you know, like to dictate people's lives to them. Uh, so I wanted to try and fill that gap first with the podcast, right? You know, just 
some of the lessons that I've learned, some of the things that I think about, you know, I get these random things and I'm also a Christian. So I've been toying with this concept for about three years now that if I am the son of God, why shouldn't I expect greatness from myself? Right? So there's a lot of other people who don't realize that either. Right? So if I'm on this mission to greatness and there's this lack of leadership and my job is to evangelize, what better way to do it than where my passion is at, right? So enter Fireforge leader. I love it. I love it. And so um, when folks, so well, talk to me about how folks get engaged and subscribe and, and get to get closer to Fireforge leader. Yeah. So right now my main channels are all over um, social media, right? LinkedIn, I'm very heavily on Instagram, uh, Facebook, different things like that. Uh, I believe there's only one podcasting application right now that you uh, can't find Fireforge leader on because they were just a pain in the ass to set up, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> but soon I'll have a website live. I plan to have that live here in quarter two. Nice. Uh, from there, we're going to be doing some online development, uh, leadership principles and things like that. I'm also working on the rough draft of my first book. So I'm not sure who's going to publish that for me right now. I got a couple people that are asking me to be the publisher of it. So uh, I'm excited about that. Uh, but yeah, it, if you look up on Google, you'll find Fireforge Leader about everywhere right now. That's awesome. Yeah, you're certainly all over the place, and that's fantastic. You're building a name. You're building a brand. Uh, I love all those things. It'll be interesting to see how that translates into a future uh, and what that brings for the community at large. Uh, interesting topic you bring up is the lack of quality leadership in leadership positions. What do you attribute that to? I attribute it to being solely focused on metrics and forgetting about the people along the way, right? There's, so my W-2, there's 400 people that work at my plant and I'm a plant manager now. Each one of those people, right? And you'll understand this because you're in the reliability field. There's only two people in this whole world that make our products for us. And it's that operator and it's that mechanic, right? Or technician, whatever you want to call them. Those are the only two people that work on the asset that take our raw product and convert it to money. That's it. Yes. The rest of us are overhead. So if we're not focusing on the asset or those two people, we really provide no value. So I think people start getting up in their ivory towers. They um, start to believe that, well, for example, safety, right? Safety exists for safety's sake. Well, that's not true. It exists for people's sake. That's exactly right. right. <laughs> it exists so that, you know, we don't send people to the hospital or to the morgue. 
that's the reason why it exists. You can't do that from an office, right? You got to do it with the people. I always and think safety is a great example of of cultural leadership and evolution because you can see an organization that either did or did you know maybe they didn't have a great safety record. The safety program can't make you safe. It, it can't right. force you to be safe. It's an indirect influence. It's a cultural evolution. And if you can mimic that branding and recognition and um, steadfastness in other areas of the plant, then you'll succeed in those areas, right? Like, because you have no choice on the safety side. You can't force people to be safe. Right, right. Yeah, I had I had a boss one time, and he was one of those, um, you know, I mean, you just imagine him like Mr. Burns, you know, smoking a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, he used to get on these safety calls and he was a plant manager and uh, he would say, but I can't stop someone from slamming their head in their own car door. What do you guys expect out of me? You know, but really you can, you know, and it has to do with that one-on-one -on -one interaction with every employee in your building, right? right. Expectations. It's an, that's exactly right. It's an expert. Where is your bar? I, you know, I, one of the folks I mentor, I consistently say the same thing to is you have to set your bar and your expectation and force everyone else to live at it. And if you lower it, so does the everyone. If you keep right. it there, even if people only raise theirs a little, you did justice to the organization. It, you know, it's where you set the bar is what matters. If you're walking the plant floor as the plant manager and you you walk by a piece of trash on the floor and you step over it without picking it up, you've set a tone. You've set an expectation. You may not realize you did, but you sure as hell did. Agreed. So another point of that, right, uh, just kind of riffing off what you were just talking about, everybody's the average of their five closest people, right? So <clears throat> you look at that, an employee's life is spent primarily at work, very small with their family and friends. So we got to be that influence with them, right? And it's that that supervisor, that lead person, along with the plant manager, but it's everybody around them has to embrace that and set that gap so that they want to thrive yeah. to meet that gap, right? And that's why mentorship is so important, right? Because oftentimes a good operator becomes a supervisor, becomes eventually their the plant manager, or you know the maintenance mechanic becomes a supervisor, becomes a maintenance manager, and they've been given zero people skills in terms of training or leadership training or how to supervise people. It just it's non-existent. Or they've graduated college and they become the plant manager and they got zero training in leadership. Um, and again, like you mentioned, it's all metrics, right? And so this gigantic gap exists and the work you're doing and the work that, you know, uh, folks that, that are in the, the space and there's others, and I'm not going to mention them now, but, but they're, they're working at the shop floor level to develop leadership skills, uh, is critical to the survival of us in manufacturing in this country. Um, because success only comes through that. The, you know how many times we go to a plant and they, they believe the machine is bad and they've called out the OEM 35 million times and we come out there and tell them it's not the machine and spend, you know, 50 bucks 
and work with people <laughs> and then suddenly the machine runs great. It, it's, oh, yeah. it's, it's a, it's a connection thing. It's a leadership thing. It's a raise the bar thing. And there's a lot of facets to it, but it's actually not as complicated as it seems. It's just got a lot of facets and you're doing a great job at bringing all the facets together in, in the podcast. And I'm sure it'll be the same on the website and developing a mechanism and a capability for people to go learn. And I really hope you uh, are incredibly successful with this endeavor uh, and that it far exceeds your wildest imagination because it is necessary. It is important work. And, and, you know, we'll do whatever we can to help broaden, broaden your audience for that, because it is a, a valuable, valuable skill set. I appreciate that, George. And, you know, I, for me, I just want to see people grow. So no matter where they get the message from, I just, you know, I hope I resonate with some people. I don't need to resonate with a, all of them. You know, some people like Jocko, some people like, you know, me, some people like whoever, right? There's a few, you know, Tony Robbins or whoever it is, right? Uh, but I want to see people grow at the end. So uh, I'm also excited about the growth. You know, the that to me is showing that people are longing for the message, right? For the message of leadership. And that means that there's a chance what my biggest worry was coming out of the gate was that nobody's going to want to hear this message, right? That it's, it's only a very, very small percentage of the population who cares about being a good leader, but I'm finding that out to be different. And that just, it really just fills me full of excitement, George. I, there's, so, there's a lot of opportunity. That's for sure. You should be excited because I, I completely agree with you that there's this mass mass of lack of leadership and, when you look back on your career and you got 30 years experience in your career and you can name three or four people, that's a problem. Agreed. Agreed. <laughs> and it's crazy that you mentioned that, but I, I've had a lot of different bosses in my life, right? Seen a lot of different restructuring reorgs, you know, uh, a lot of people come and go. And I would say it's probably no more than two or three. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Well, that's awesome. I think there's great opportunity. You're doing fantastic work. Uh, unfortunately, we're about out of time, so we're going to kind of wrap up now. Do you have anything to plug, tell people how to connect to you uh, once more, you know, uh, website, all that great stuff coming? Uh, what do they need to know? Yeah, so uh, definitely check out the podcast. Uh, my biggest listener base is on Apple uh podcast right now spotify being the second one uh george just put up on the screen the fireforge leader so just search that you'll see uh you'll see that fantastic looking guy up there and that's the right one uh the website will be fireforgeleader.com uh if you want to set anything up as far as any consultation or anything for me my uh it's very very simple it's steve at fireforgeleader.com is the email. So, uh, with that, I appreciate you, George. I appreciate being on the podcast. Uh, once again, it's just an awesome conversation every time we get together. So I appreciate it, brother. Awesome. Thanks so much, Steve. 
So uh, for Steve Baumgartner and FireFord leader, I'm George Williams. Thanks for joining us on Practical Reliability. Go make tomorrow better than today.